Welcome to Modern Family Matters, a podcast devoted to exploring family law topics that matter most to you, covering a wide range of legal, personal, and family law matters with expert analysis from skilled attorneys and professional guests. We hope that our podcast provides answers, clarity, and guidance towards a better tomorrow for you and your family. Here's your host, Steve Altitian. Hi, everybody. I'm Steve Altitian, Director of Client Partnerships here at Pacific Cascade Family Law. And today we have certified behavior analyst Chris Messina here to talk about ways to help both you and your kids handle the uncertainty of the new school year. Good morning, Chris. How are you doing? Hi, great. How are you doing, Steve? I'm doing well. So I'm really glad we got you today, Chris, because there has been a few changes and the school year is upcoming and it's just a great time to talk about what's going on. The way I see it, this is sort of where we're at. Uh, We all know that Governor Kate Brown directed uh, the Oregon Health Authority to require masks indoors for K-12 schools statewide. Governor Inslee in Washington has done the same. And there's already protocols in place. Uh, the our Department of Education has been working through protocols and advisory protocols uh, throughout the summer uh, regarding physical distancing, isolation, quarantine, screening, test protocols, uh, vaccination requirements, which are in some colleges, recommendations for K through 12. There's a lot of work and parts going on right now. And I guess my question to you to start is, how are parents supposed to help their children handle this uncertainty amid the current rules and what may be some changing rules as the school year goes on? Sure. I think that it's a guarantee that things will be in flux for quite some time. And, you know, as has been the case for the last 18-ish months, there's a lot of wobbliness in our lives right now. And, I, you know, kids and parents are managing that in different ways. So, you know, at the end of the day, in order to, you can't manage your, own, your, your child's emotions. You cannot manage any other human being's experience, right? So what can you manage? You can manage your own reaction to this ever-changing, uncertain environment, right? So... Right. So, so by working on how you react, you are going to, you know, be a model constantly for your child. Your child is, regardless of age, in some way, shape, or form, looking to you for how to react during what really are unprecedented times. Right. None of us have a playbook for any of this. Right. Even those in charge who are trying to create one. And we have discussed that everybody has their own opinion about said playbook, right? That's being generated. So, you know, how you maintain your own composure and manage these big reactions uh, or emotions is going to go a long way to determining how your kids react, uh, you know, to these experiences. It did. It, it seems to me that, that, you know, it's kids react, at least I remember. Not just to what you told them, but how you told them. You know, your voice, your your reflections, your reactions, and all that sort of, they pick up, they're pretty smart little guys, these kids. Yes, you and I have discussed in the past that you can fool a lot of people in this world, you can't fool kids. 
So, right, of course, they're going to pick up on your nonverbal cues, but they're really going to be listening to the words that you use. And, you know, I want to make sure that I'm not not for a second am I misunderstood for saying that you should not, you know, express to your kids your own frustrations and your fears and whatnot, right? We want to be authentic in our experience with our kids. But I would strongly suggest pausing and giving some real thought to the kind of language that you're going to use to discuss what might be frustrating you or what might be concerning for you. Words are super powerful. We know that. So if you'd like to, you know, be transparent with your kids, then just be careful and conscientious about the language that you use, because it's going to be really tempting and really easy to react in the moment, right? So for example, if we get news that maybe there was an outbreak in a, in a school, right? It's going to be really difficult to slow it down and suppress our initial reaction, which might not be something we want our kids to hear. Okay. That kind of, that kind of sounds like what you, you, you're saying. And, and what I sort of remember experience sometimes is someone, the kid will, your child, kid will come home and there's a problem. And then, you know, everything is about the problem. <laughs> and, and that becomes sort of the conversation and, and it kind of takes it to a different level. Right. Well, you get stuck. Right. So you're mired in this emotional muck and all we're doing is complaining. So I think we can all agree on one thing. COVID is a problem. This is a serious issue. Right. No matter what you believe, um, it's, it's definitely impacting all of us in a really big way. So, you know, we can complain. And I think if you peruse social media, you'll see that lots of folks are really enjoying staying problem focused. I'm not really sure that's a great model for our kids. In fact, we know it's not a great model for our kids. If we want to have these conversations about how to navigate these really difficult experiences, as much as possible, I encourage us to remain solution-focused, right? So if we had a rough experience at school and your kid comes home and somebody did get sick or somebody didn't want to wear a mask or, right, I mean, zillions of things that are going to present. there's always a time uh, for airing right, our, our, our grievances and our issues. And so I say, just make sure that you're careful to limit that and then maybe shift gears when appropriate. And you may have to direct your kid because kids love to complain about, about the things, um, you know, to looking at what are we going to do about it, right? Yeah. And I think as parents, we're going to probably feel really exhausted really frustrated that life isn't going back to normal, whatever that is, but right. We're, we're, we're still in this. So we may find that we want to just complain because we're bothered. We're tired. We're frustrated. So it's a, it's a chance to shift that lens. How much airtime am I giving to the complaint versus the solution? That makes so much sense, but there's so much going on. And you know, just kind of went through some of the just the COVID stuff, not to, to just the regular going to school stuff. There's a whole lot of information we could just dump on kids. I mean, is is there a is there a how much kid how much information should we just be sort of trying to put in their heads? Right. Well, you know, you and I have talked about how important it is for us as parents to inf- be informed, and there's a lot. You know, going through you just. Uh, touch the surface of what 
has been mandated um, by the state. And so as parents, we're going to remain fairly confused. We don't need to confuse our kids further. So clearly I would, you know, suggest that if you've got a five-year-old versus a 15-year-old, you're going to use your discretion and maybe share a little bit more with our older kids. But, you know, I wouldn't overdo it regardless of the age. I would give kids the, uh, you know, essentials. What do they need to know about mask requirements? I know that we have some pretty stringent requirements, potentially about hand washing and hygiene. I would say don't overdo it. Kids are stressed enough. They're starting this year hoping for nothing other than a return to being with my friends, right? Feeling like we used to feel, and they're not going to get that right away. It's funny you mention that. Just this morning, I was talking with a a parent of my age who has kids of your age, and about how there's a there's there's parents out there with a with a kid who's just starting first grade and is so happy to go to school. He's not necessarily thinking about this stuff so much, but it's just happy, ready ready to go to school and and is is you know it's almost like i feel we can we can put the problems into their heads that they may not have right right well and what i love about that so a, a first grader presumably 7 years old is just still kind of excited right about just getting outside you know taking my kids to like a, like a soccer you know lesson it's just so exciting there's just this sort of flavor of Oh yeah, right. This is what it feels like to socialize and connect. Because at the end of the day, right, what we're all really missing is the connection. So you know what? Maybe we can use your seven-year-old, your your child, your friend's seven-year-old child as an example, right? To kind of tuck away. Let's try and look through the lens of a seven-year-old kid who is going to be excited, right? We get older. I'm not sure if we get wiser, but right, we're looking at more of right the the roadblocks in front of us. We need to do that, right? We need to be prepared. There are going to be things we bump up against that are going to require that we that we kind of look for solutions. But as much as possible, highlighting for kids and frankly for ourselves the good that's to come because the world is opening up enough for us to all participate, you know, in a different way, but certainly much more than we have been in recent right. time. You know? So the seven-year-old comes home. Um, and is confused or has a concern or the teacher's making me do this or, you know, whatever they always say, <laughs> and I, you would get that. So what do you do? I mean, you know, do you tell your kid, you tell the teacher this? I mean. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> right. So, you know, in, in the same way that we, you and I have discussed in the past, the real danger of using a child or leaning into a child as like the messenger in a divorce scenario, right? You tell your your dad, I said this, we know that's a big no-no. Well, the same applies here. Your child is not to be the messenger, um, delivering any information to teachers, you know, the school principal, uh, even a, a friend at school, right? That is not the child's job. If you're concerned about something, for example, Johnny's not washing his hands enough and, and your kid comes home and the kids are tattling about Johnny not washing his hands or some kid's not wearing a mask and doesn't want to wear a mask, these are times to hear your child's concerns and then like let the adults deal with that, right? I think a lot of listening is going to go a really long way. 
practice our listening skills and we don't have to feel compelled to problem solve with our kid. Take it up with the adults. <laughs> Not just with, you know, obviously we're talking about this is parents who are still married, living together, but also parents who are not married and co-parenting. There's two, there's, there's two sources of, of information going to the kid at that point. And what do you recommend in that case? Well, we know alignment is everything when it comes to managing the complexities of parenting between two homes. Right, so that co-parenting alignment, looking through the same lens to as great a degree as possible. However, COVID has got there's a great divide in a lot of homes, right? So you've got one parent who believes the vaccine is important, and another parent who disagrees vehemently, and you've got a kid who is of age to get a vaccine. Um, listen, there are going to be constant curveballs thrown, and to whatever degree you are able trying to reach alignment is going to be really critical, but it may not be possible, right? If you truly, and do we agree to disagree in this situation? We might have to, but if it's coming down to a health concern, right, that might be a time to reach out to your child's pediatrician, right? So maybe again, like recruiting expert opinion to kind of help with the, maybe break the tie or, you know, also remembering that you can lean into your family law attorney. Right. If there's a, a question about like, is, are they allowed to forfeit days because they think my child might have been exposed? Is that allowed here? I mean, again, we, I don't think we have a playbook for this, but remembering that you've got resources. So whether they're yeah. medical professionals, teachers, family law attorneys, I would say lean in if you're really stuck, because I think yeah. a lot of people are going to get stuck. Yeah, we're here for the law stuff. I mean, that sounds, you know, trite, but it's exactly true. So it sounds like staying calm. Is sort of a requirement and not going ballistic yourself. Any tips on this on, and, you know, how we can manage ourselves not to jump off the cliff? Right. I know. So, I mean, this is kind of the stuff of life, right? I mean, we all want to practice how we handle ourselves and, and, and learn greater, you know, and strengthen skills um, about managing these complex experiences in life. So how do you stay calm and less reactive? I mean, I always start with getting informed about something, right? So a lot of reactivity comes from misinformation in life, no matter the issue. So to the extent possible in this unusual scenario, be informed, understand what is being required as much as we can. And I think schools are doing a really nice job. I know as a parent, I've been getting frequent emails with updates about new and revised expectations. So, you know, knowledge is power, maybe not always, but a lot of the time. So I'd start there. Makes sense. And the next thing I would say is in, in myriad ways, we've all been grieving throughout this process, right? I mean, I think about my own children and the experiences lost, you know, every grade was a chance to miss out on something huge, whether it's fifth grade or high school graduation, right? Kids are losing out on so many experiences and so are we as adults. So I think that, you know, grieving in whatever way possible is going to allow us to get to like that core of what we're really feeling. Right. So, cause underneath the anger, underneath the agitation, I think is a real deep sense of loss and fear for a lot of people. So not going to look the same. It may not be linear, but you know, I would encourage folks to 
let themselves go there because I think we will have continued loss. And I think that we've been, we've, we've lost a lot and I've been so busy as a parent. I'm not sure I've even had the time, you know, with kids home all day to kind of go there. So I, I think that's important. Does that, does that work for the kids too? I mean, I'm assuming they have a sense of loss and, and kind of grief. Oh, absolutely. You know, what's interesting is kids are far more resilient than us old folks. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's incredible to see how kids have adapted. So they've gotten used to, it doesn't mean they like it, but they've gotten used to, hey, you know, did my eighth grade year on a computer instead of having all the fun experiences with my, my classmates. So yeah, I think that they are grieving. I think they might need us to encourage them or prompt them to talk about it. So sharing that experience with your kids, again, everyone's going to move through it differently. I'm grieving something far different than my child is grieving, right? But it's loss and loss is universal. Um, so finding ways to kind of open up those conversations, I think can strengthen relationships between parents and kids. It's the hard times that grow us typically, right? It's not the smooth sailing fun times that, that provide the same sense of growth. You know, you see all, it's in every store, you know, calm down and, and, have a cup of tea, calm down and do this, calm down and do that. Is, is just calming down the point? Okay. Well, two quotes popped to mind. The first is, uh, you know, I think I saw it on a coffee mug. It said, never in the history of calming down has anyone calmed down by being told to calm down. I mean, I don't know about you, but that is my number one trigger. I, I do not like to calm down or the opposite is going to happen. But I actually shared a quote with you that I'd like to share right now, because for me, this is like, I don't know, we need to have it printed on a wall somewhere. So paint it or I don't know, tattoo it on your arm. Calm is not the point. Connected to self during any and every experience is the point. Can we learn how to be with ourselves when we're anxious, scared, happy, angry, sad? That's the point. That's emotional awareness and self-regulation. I don't know who to give that quote to, uh, a credit to. <laughs> I modified it a little bit because I'm not sure where I found it. But I just love the idea that you don't have to be calm. How are you going to move through the wobble of life? This is incredibly wobbly. And it's like this and, you know, long duration. But you know, we've been around long enough to know it's constant. There will be roadblocks and obstacles in our children's way no matter what. So much as it may sound corny, and some parents may roll their eyeballs at what I'm about to say. I really think we would benefit from seeing it as an opportunity to teach our kids about resilience and about grit. That makes that makes sense. It's it's you know there we talked about this yesterday. The their their generations. Every generation goes through something, um, and you know I I, I was tell, talking about how the the, the you know the greatest generation uh which was sort of got that that name they didn't get that name just you know as an advertisement for you know to sell a product i mean they went through incredibly hard times and came out of it smarter more resilient so i mean that makes complete sense i mean it, i don't want to say that we like what's happening but there's always sort of a silver lining Right. I know. I, I, you look at what we've been through and you think, are we allowed to say silver lining out loud during this? I think we should. You know, there's this idea that is certainly an oversimplification, but, you know, 
hard times make you bitter or they make you better. Again, I know that's an oversimplification, but I really think, you know, you move through the tough stuff of life and we can position ourselves into, right? Like a place of, you know, disempowerment and yeah, bitterness, like the, why me? Why'd this happen? That's certainly one avenue to take. But I, I believe as parents, we all want our kids to choose option B, which is, okay, how am I going to navigate what is certainly, you know, a difficult and undesirable situation? Imagine how many situations like this our children are going to confront in their lives. This is an opportunity, a very unique one, providing ample opportunity for us to model for our kids and help them move through how are we going to, when this occurs again in life, in a d- different flavor, right? How are we going to manage and what choices am I going to make? And what lens am I going to kind of screw on my eyeballs? Because I can always look at what's not working, but it sure helps to look at what is. So yeah, I think there are quite a few silver linings. You, uh, you, you, you use the word, I remember, moxie, which I haven't heard in a long time, but I like that word. I love that word, you know, yes. It, it's, 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 it's kind of does create that in people. You know, there, there's different ways to solve different problems. You know, so, you know, when we're, as parents, we are modeling constantly and it is exhausting. And there are days when I think, can, can you just look away kids so I can make a bad choice? <laughs> right? But, but the truth is modeling is the single best way to teach anybody a new skill. So you're going to be modeling constantly. So if you feel like I don't know how to have these conversations and I don't know what to say to my kids and that all sounds like too much and I don't really want to do it, then just be thinking about your own behavioral choices, right? Just be thinking, what kind of language am I going to use when I'm having a particularly tough day? Or as we get ready for this school year, we can sit here and talk about how agitated we are, that it's going to be so different and you have to wear a mask and kids are going to feel sick. And right, we can certainly highlight that or we can decide that we're going to focus on how exciting it is to be back with our friends, how we get to feel right that connectivity all day long rather than just, you know, brief moments throughout, you know, the week like we have been in the past. Get sort of turn back to that, that thing you said earlier about being solution focused. Yeah. Um, it's. It's a million opportunities. Uh, yeah. it, it, you know, it's, it's again, it's sort of try, you know, you have to take everything in context, but I mean, the pandemic is a pretty big context. <laughs> and, it is a very big contest. We have an endless stream of problem solving opportunities. It feels like every day you're going to have ample opportunity. Oh, oh my gosh. Any, you know, we've sort of come to the end of what we were talking about. Um, I, I know in a, in a lot of our past uh, discussions, you've talked about the difference between conflict and compassion. Does that kind of come up here? I think for you know times like this, we're going to feel that an overriding emotion is going to be um, frustration with the individuals making decisions, right? So I think that this is a time that we need to zoom out for a minute or for many moments and figure out how am I going to lead with compassion, for example, if I'm really irritated with a choice that a teacher made, or if I feel like the principal of my child's school is inconveniencing me with a decision that they've kind of, you know, mandated. So listen, you get to choose in life. Every opportunity is a chance to like lead with compassion no matter what you're doing. It is my belief 
that the only antidote to conflict is compassion. So we're going to come up against conflict. Your kids are going to bump up against conflict. I mean, heck, they may even have another student, right? Give them a hard time about a choice that they're making. Model with compassion, right? Reach out, access the individuals you need to to get clarification about, you know, maybe a troubling situation, but lead with compassion. That's, that's just, that's wise. Yeah, I'd say wise beyond your years, but then I, you'd hit me. <laughs> yeah. But the truth is, isn't, isn't everything in life an opportunity to solve a problem? Yeah, that's exactly sure, it. I'm not sure that family lawyers would be in such demand if we all did conflict really well, right? So, so, so at the end of the day, here we have what is a lousy situation for a million reasons, yeah. right? It's full of loss. It's full of disappointment and heartache, right? Okay. So we're here. You can't undo it. There's nothing a single person can do right now to change the dynamic entirely. So we get to choose every moment of every day for ourselves. How am I going to navigate this time? Because your kids are watching and don't, and just don't forget that. Yep. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much for being here. This is really, really, I think, helpful. And, you know, you mentioned that attorneys, we do the law. But I'm going to have to spin that around. And and therapists, you're here for this as well. I mean, this is the time that someone, you know, maybe can use a therapist to help them through these things. So and you know, Yeah, and you're right. I mean, this is a time when I think there are wait lists for therapists around the globe. We're all struggling. Yeah. And remembering, I read something recently, a quote, something like, um, we're in different ships, but the same storm. I like that, right? We all are in the same storm. And I think remembering that therapists are human beings too. They're parents, that we don't have all the answers, but we're here, right, to kind of process together. Sometimes our expectations of those in charge, right? The, the, the school principal, the superintendent, the therapist is that they have, they've got it all figured out. Again, there is no precedent for this, at least in our times, right? No, we're, we're, we're figuring this out as we move through it. And yep, so yep. as a parent, you're, you're obviously doing that. So are the people that are making the decisions around you, right? Which is why I think remembering we're all in the same storm, okay. no matter our role. Oh, God. Again, thank you so much, Chris. Thank you for thank joining you. us again and, and just helping us walk through this kind of stuff. Yeah. It's always my pleasure. And, you know, just hope some of this guidance can help the parents feel supported because we all could use a little bit of support right now, I think. Absolutely. That is the truth. So again, also thank everyone for joining. And if anyone has any questions on today's topic, please feel free to post it here. We can get you to Chris. Uh, if you, if some, some law issues, we can get you to us. That's what we're all here for. We're all here to try. And so until next time, everyone, stay safe. Try to be stay happy and have a great day. This has been Modern Family Matters, a legal podcast focusing on providing real answers and direction for individuals and families. Our podcast is sponsored by Lander Home Family Law and Pacific Cascade Family Law, serving families in Oregon and Washington. If you are in need of legal counsel or have additional questions about a family law matter important to you, please visit our websites at landerhomelaw.com or PacificCascadeFamilyLaw.com. You can also call our headquarters at 503-227-0200.
to schedule a case evaluation with one of our seasoned attorneys. Modern Family Matters, advocating for your better tomorrow and offering legal solutions important to the modern family.